1: I want you to trust me.
0: I want you to be happy.
1: I'm not happy and I don't think you're happy. You need that in the relationship. You need to have the power over the other I person. I need the power! Yes, you do. You're really gifted at playing victim. Well, there's no more points to this conversation. You've made the decision. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business, but mine with me, Kara Berry. It's our pop culture roundup and Southern Hospitality and y'all, The Traders is back. So I'm going to be talking and recapping episodes one through three of The Traders. And this should be part of our Monday episode until the season's over. We're going to be doing Southern Hospitality and The Traders from here on out. So I hope you guys are watching I'm having fun and if me who does not even like a reality competition style show is having fun, then I feel like you guys will too. So I hope you join me on the journey and uh, I have like a couple bits of information or news before we get into the pop culture roundup. So first of all, I was on Gibson John's podcast, it's called Gabbing with Gib and we talked about the season and also the finale of Southern Charm. You all know I don't really talk about Southern Charm too much over here. I just dip and dab. Although I will be talking about it a little bit later in the Southern Hospitality Recap. Because that reunion, ooh, some things happened that I needed to get off my chest. But check out Gabbing with Gib. We had a really good conversation about Southern Charm. The dynamics, the characters, and what we're going to do about Madison. What the hell... was going on with any of those men in general so yeah check it out it's called gabbing with gib and i'm like you guys i'm a fashion girly do will you catch me in these streets wearing head-to-toe old navy absolutely but that doesn't mean that i don't have an eye for what looks good and it's award season and i'm gonna be all up and through threads posting my favorite looks my commentary on the awards tonight is the Emmys so if you're not following me on threads the same handle as Instagram at everyone's business but mine and we're gonna be talking and we're gonna be getting into it so yeah follow me on threads you guys all award season all award season we're gonna be just just dishing dishing and fishing whatever fishing is okay (laughs) the point is follow me on threads okay Just just do it. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And with that, is there anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so. If you want to follow me on Patreon or if you want to find me on Patreon, you can find me at patreon.com slash E-B-B-M podcast. Every week, this week, I'm talking about the Gypsy Rose Lifetime docuseries, Confessions of a... Prison—I I don't know what it's called, but you'll find it. The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. That's what they're, what it's called. So, yeah, check that out. And we'll be having fun over there. I'm going to be talking about, like, stuff with Anne Hathaway and an ex of hers that really could have gotten her into a lot of trouble. You know, I do, like, Stunt Queen Month. Yeah, check it out. Every week, patreon.com slash podcast. But really, you should just follow me on Instagram at everyone's business but mine if you want to support. Okay. Thank you, and thank you to the Patreon's. You know, like because y'all y'all come through with a check every every month, and and that is much appreciated. Thank you, thank you so much. But if you can't afford it, the Instagram follow is much 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 appreciated. So, huh? Well, we got something last week, and I it just like I wish you guys knew how hard it was to be me. How difficult it is to be somebody who is. One, always right. And it's not a burden, it's a privilege that I take very seriously. But the other part of that coin is that nobody ever wants to recognize in the aftermath that I was right. And so I have to go on here and scream and advocate for myself. And so I say all this to say I'm talking about the Summer House trailer that dropped that was uh, very heavy with... The relationship dynamic between Carl and one Lindsay Hubhouse Hubbard doesn't look good. And I know if you guys listened to my recaps from the moment they got engaged and all season long last season, I was like, you guys, I don't feel good about this. I know we all want to live in a fantasy in which... Two people who have been in each other's lives for years suddenly look at each other one day and say, you're my person. And it's happened, okay? But a lot of things have happened. And it wasn't happening with them. And I tried to tell you guys very gently and not so gently to maybe not hang your hat on this relationship because it wasn't good. And here we are, you know? And now I have to be the mother who was right all along. And I just have to swallow that up and be like, I'm sorry that this is hurtful to you guys. And I'm sorry that you guys are like having to deal with these emotions now. But I tried to warn you. But you know what? Here, I'm welcoming you into a warm space. I'm hugging you virtually. And I'm saying it's going to be okay. I was right, but it's going to be okay. These people had no business being together. And we're going to see that all season long. And the... Footage of the actual breakup in the apartment, the incredible imagery of Carl being like in the kitchen, being like, I don't give a fuck. I will be the bad guy, Billie Eilish. I will um, take this on the chin. She's going to tell everybody that she's blindsided. Cut to Lindsay on the phone in the bedroom with her dad saying, I was blindsided. (laughs) And listen, listen, hear my cry when I say, this is not going to be me running an anti lindsay campaign against me and my future husband, okay? Like, this isn't, that's not what this is here. I think that these two people who were claiming to have been best friends for seven years, both knew what they were getting into. I think in my opinion, Carl was in a place where maybe he was just feeling like, who's going to take on all of me? All of what comes with me. I'm sober and whatever else. And Lindsay was like, yeah, I'll do it. He didn't have to explain himself to somebody new. He didn't have to start over with somebody. He just got to have somebody who already was on The journey knew his history, knew who he was, had seen Carl's version one through 25 and was still willing to look at him and be like, babe, I love you, babe. Oh, my God, babe. Like, that's it. And also, same thing for Carl. Carl knows what kind of woman Lindsay is. She is much like myself, uh, would be described as maybe a, a difficult woman, a woman who's a lot. And I say this because I know what I'm I know what I'm looking at. Okay. <laughs> there we're we're both, me and Hubhouse are a lot of women, okay? And so uh, we're we're different types of a lot of women, okay? I'm I'm not a I'm not it's a it's a different flavor, but it's still There's a Venn diagram there, but we don't get into it because hello, title of the podcast. Um With that being said, like, he knew the kind of chick that she was. And why, I'm not saying that Lindsay is somebody who is, like, a bad person. But he knew the kind of person that she was. And he knew that, ultimately, the type of person that Lindsay is is not compatible with the person that Carl is at the very end of the day. Now, what's very interesting to me is... I'm curious to see what else we have from the season, because we didn't really get to see too much. There seems to be a, you know, a bad dynamic between our summer house parents, possibly with Kyle not wanting to listen to Amanda's opinion and things of that nature. And that really seemed to be the other biggest storyline. But I maybe I got wrong information. I don't know. But I was under the impression that while they were filming this season, that it was kind of going to be a little bit of a different sort of vibe where we're definitely going to be at the summer house, obviously. But in terms of Lindsay and Carl, that they had maybe been kind of demoted to Friends of or and we were really going to see more of their storyline, maybe back in the city and how they were going to be planning The wedding that never came to be. So I'm, you know, now seeing that they are so heavy in the um, trailer, I'm just wondering what this season is going to shake up to be. I see that Sierra has found herself another blonde to make out with. And I hope that third time's the charm. The second time was technically, it was a Southern charm, but it wasn't good. So hopefully this one is actually good. I think his name is West. And he looks like, um. oh, he kind of looks like the guy from season two of White Lotus, the, the sex worker who was, uh you know, tasked with following around dumbass Portia and was fucking his uncle. Spoiler alert. He kind of looks like him with, like, a little skinny mustache. Oh, you know who he also kind of looks like? The guy from Stranger Things. I don't know what his name, but he was also blonde, and he had a skinny little mustache, and he was kind of like a bad boy. Kind of a bad boy. Was he somebody's brother? I, I can't remember. But he kind of looks like a mix between the guy from Stranger Things and the other guy I just mentioned that I already forgot about. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that. I have seen on Instagram that they still seem to be kicking it. So I feel like this is a relationship that is a relationship. So let's celebrate that. Speaking of relationships that we did not see, Sam and Corey, amen. Amen. More for Corey and, and not really for Sam. I'm ready now that she allegedly is free of that monster. that uh, maybe she'll be back in the house Sexy, fun, and free. I, like, look at what we have potentially leading up into this year's summer house. Like the the one that they're going to be filming this summer. We have single Lindsay, single Gabby, single Sam potentially, single maybe Sierra. I, I like that. This is a boy show, and by boy show, I mean it. Like the men really drive the dynamics of the women, rather than like women dealing with men. It's like Southern Charm is kind of the same way. Vanderpump rules. Like you really, unfortunately, need these men to drive these women crazy in order to get a good show. And so last season, it just didn't work because there were hella women. Kyle, married Kyle. Carl, who's in a relationship with Lindsay. And then the other guy. You know? (laughs) And that was no fun. That was no fun. So I'm excited for the Summer House season. It is premiering February 22nd, and I'm hype about it. And I'm also hype about Martha's Vineyard. Like, I'm hoping they come back March, April, the latest. I need them back, and I'm excited. All right, moving on. You guys, we got told off by Ponytail. She said... "Uh." Me and Spongebob are doing just fine, okay? And I don't want to hear it from you guys. She released her song, Yes And, and the lyrics are giving, like... <laughs> they're just giving. I go up for Ariana, okay? I do. I do. I love I love the pony. I love all her heels. I love that her wrists are always swimming in a pool of sleeve. Like, she... I get it. I don't get it. But I, I like... I like it from afar but this is I think um just interesting you know the pop girlies all have their era where they're clapping back at the haters telling us to shut the fuck up you know like Lizzo did rumors and I'm sure Taylor's done probably seven songs of that nature um and so this was like, yes, and is her like, I'm hearing whatever, what y'all are talking about me. I'm hearing the negative speak. I don't care. Me and Spongy are happy in a pineapple under the sea. And y'all are just going to have to choke on that if you can't deal. Now, my thing is, she actually posted a, uh, I guess like on Instagram, it was a quick post and delete. In which she like talks about you know, the evolution and this era and all of that. so she posted one of the most transformative, most challenging, and yet happiest, and most special years of my life. There were so many beautiful and yet polarized feelings. I've never felt more at the mercy of and an acceptance of what life was screaming to teach me. I've never felt more fulfilled by or present in my work, being able to cherish every moment. I gave everything that I could have possibly given of my heart and of myself to the projects I was fortunate enough to be a part of and learned so much from every brilliant, beautiful soul that I had the privilege of creating art with and crossing paths with this year. I've never felt more pride or joy or love while simultaneously feeling so deeply misunderstood by people who don't know me, who piece whispers together and make what they want out of me and their assumptions of my life. I've learned how much more important one of those things is than the other. I've never felt more tightly held or fiercely protected by those who love and understand me, friends, family, and fans alike. I feel safe, even amidst so many things I'd usually be afraid of. I'm listening to and trusting myself, even when fear or trauma tells me not to. I'm reacting to things that deserve my energy only and by removing and protecting myself from things that do not. I'm so eternally grateful of all the things I was lucky enough to feel so deeply this year. Uh, Mine and Galinda's alike— the unfathomably hard ones, the inexplicably happy ones, I feel more human than ever. I feel more deeply than ever. I feel more freer and stronger and all of those things. I, I can't see part of this. Anyway, the point was that I wanted to hone in on. I've never felt more pride or joy or love while simultaneously feeling so deeply misunderstood by people who don't know me, who piece whispers together and make what they want out of me and their assumptions of my life. Babe... Um, uh, listen, Pony, I'm rocking with you, but the math is mathing in this situation and the writings on the wall and the history of these men leaving their situations and ending up in the arms and in the sleeves of your embrace. It just It's just a pattern. We can't deny it. It's not a rumor. It's factual, girl. And also... I feel like, okay, maybe if you want to chalk up every other dude to a rumor, but Miss Lily, uh, Ethan's ex, former Lady Spongebob, said, "Uh, you fucked my whole situation up. I didn't like it. I didn't know what was going on. I just had a baby. I'm thinking I'm in love with this bug-eyed monster. Turns out y'all are giggling in that pineapple under the sea together, and I had no... No idea, because I was raising his child while y'all were kissing and and doing wicked cosplay with each other in England or wherever they were filming. So, you know, I'm just thinking, like, if I were the ex-wife and Ponytail came out with a song that was basically like, you guys have everything wrong and I don't give a fuck, (laughs) I would be livid. I would be so pissed if I were her pissed and the song knocks too and that's what i think maybe one of the worst things about being like a hollywood baddie like i think about bella hadid all the time or like or now kendall like kendall breaks up with bad bunny she can't listen to monaco or monaco and that song Knox, okay, it's good. Like, what do you do when you date somebody who's hella famous, who's got song at the top of the charts, and you hear them everywhere? They're bumping them in the club, and it's like your ex man who did you dirty, or all your girls want to go out for their bachelorette and and do seven rings in the middle of the dance floor, but you can't do it because of what happened to you. That's really like one got to be one of the most cursed things about about that. So. Good good luck, girl. The, I just want to end this part with um, somebody uh, said in the comments section: Go spend your time spo- sucking that SpongeBob dick, girl, instead of crying to us! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> well, well, I have a new segment for you guys called Meet a Baddie. Okay. A new segment for 2024. And I'm going to walk you through Meet a Baddie. Meet a Baddie is something that I think about all the time. The full context of it being meet a bad bitch where she's at. And this is something that has stuck with me for years since the original airing of Jersey Shore. When a young Snooki who would, you know, never wear panties on the dance floor at Karma. I talked about this last week. American history happening, always doing a back handspring or whatever um, while the beat drops, meets a uh, ATM salesman. I don't know what he does named Gianni, a tiny little man who she takes back and immediately falls in love with. Now, next season in Jersey Shore, they go to Italy. And what do we see is her crying in the streets of Milan or wherever they were. Florence, wherever, doesn't matter. Crying in the streets of Italy because Gianni is like, oh, this isn't the girl I want. I want a proper girl and you shouldn't be behaving like this. Now you met her on the dance floor of Karma. And now you want to act like this woman has to be a saint. Meet a bad bitch where she is. You can't bring us down. Okay. And I'm sick of these men who meet successful women and then resent them for it. Which leads me to talking about Rachel Rachel from The Bachelor. You guys, I never watched The Bachelor until Rachel's season. She was our first, Rachel Lindsay, our first black bachelorette. uh, And I was like, I'm going to watch this. And also, that was my very, very first podcast that I did. I was like, I'm going to do a whole podcast dedicated to um, Rachel's journey on The Bachelorette and also my journey watching The Bachelor for the first time. And then she ends up with that chiropractor, Dr. Abs, as he liked to call himself. And I was like, okay. <sighs> Peter's still single, by the way, but that's not, neither here nor there. Um, so they, you know, they got married in like 2017, right? And it was just announced last week or a couple weeks ago that they were going to be getting a divorce, that Brian, Dr. Abs, Filed for divorce, but then hearing more about what the issue was, I'm like, come on, come on. So, according to insiders, he filed for divorce because they had, quote, different visions for their future together. They had different ideas of what their future should look like. Brian's practice was in Miami, and that's where he wanted to be, but Rachel wouldn't be pinned down, and she was constantly uprooting them. Brian got frustrated with Rachel's flightiness and unwillingness to commit to one place and start a family. One minute she'd say she'd want to try for a baby and then she'd be on a flight out of town. Brian got sick of it. Okay, all well and good. Y'all weren't aligning. I am, like, always the one in the front of the line. If, If you guys are not on the same page about wanting to have children, then you guys need to just end the relationship and find something that works for you better. Fair enough, right? But now this man who filed wants her to, he's requesting spousal support and also wants her to cover her legal fees or his legal fees. So to me, it sounds like she's too ambitious to sit at home in Miami and be a chiropractor's wife and you resent that. But she's not so ambitious that you don't want her money and the support from her after the fact from sad ambitions. That you resent so greatly. So that's very interesting to me. I I think that's very interesting. Why do you need the money, Brian? Because you were used to a certain lifestyle that she provided for you? Oh, okay. Okay. So I just think that's very interesting. You want it both ways. Hmm. Hmm. And that's our first edition of Meet a Baddie. And I have a feeling there are going to be a lot more over this year, because one thing about men is they have audacity. They might have not have attorney's fees, but they do have audacity. <laughs> and with that, you guys, we're going into a recap of the latest episode of Southern Hospitality, and then the first three episodes of The Traders that U.S. You went to lunch with him. You made
1: out with him right before our date. It's like a <laughs> zero-tour you made out with him before, No, no, Call him. That is just weird. That's like, oh, Joe, makes me sick. I was with five other people. All right, let's do a Joe. quick
0: little recap of Southern Hospitality. A little bit of a filler episode so we don't have to talk about too much before I get you guys out of here, shall we? So we start off with a staff meeting. Leah, the CEO, is there. Terror. Maddie tells her, that she basically needs somebody to cover her shift. She's going to be doing a DJ gig, opening up for DJ James Kennedy Extraordinaire. She's really trying to get her DJing career going. She says she's like at the, you know, if you're looking at a marquee or at a poster of a festival, she gets the invites, but maybe she's like mid to lower making, and and thank God for them to put the prices there, making like 5 hundred to a thousand dollars a gig, but she's trying to get up to the top tier where you're making like, you know, six figures a gig. Emmy is still gunning for Maddie's spot for reasons I'm not sure about. I doesn't she didn't she make it pretty clear that she did not want to have like a job like ever? So I guess I just don't understand why she's working so hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? And why she's so involved and invested invested is why where i'm going like why are you so invested when you you really don't give a shit i don't know after that mia goes on a date with this guy his name's troy he's from charlotte but he's been like really on some if he wanted to he would stuff with mia like driving back and forth their first date he was on his way back to charlotte from charleston and he was like oh if you need me to turn around say word and he did and it's been on and popping ever since at first I was like, is he cute? He's one of those, is he cutes. like, you really have to look. And then I decided that like the way he was looking at her, I was like, oh yeah, he wants her real bad. And so, and I think he can do it. You know, I think he can do it. So I was happy for her and honestly, she seemed H word about it too. So hopefully it's working out for them in the long run. He, he was pretty cute. Our next seat is O'Sheen. He's got his roommates helping him out with his OnlyFans. He says sort a confessional. He's a milkman on OnlyFans. Apparently he's very successful. This all stemmed from him ending his rugby career, partly because of the pandemic and also because he couldn't get big and jacked like he wanted to be. So in effort, in order to do that, he uh, put him on a 28-day diet in which he drank, oh, God, a gallon of milk every day, something that only seemed to achieve um, making him lactose intolerant. So congratulations. It, just hearing that makes me lactose intolerant. I've been making my own oat milk, you guys. I'm really, like, in my in prairie era, I'm, I'm this close to making my own butter. This close. I'm not even kidding. I'll let you know if I do. Anyway, so the producer asks O'Sheen, why do you think that Milk is sexy? And he says, oh, I think it's kind of like sweat, but you can see it. And that really disgusted me because, like, if we're talking about it, you know what I mean? I don't want to see it. Does that mean something about me? Like, it has never been... Like, I know it's indicative of a good time for somebody with a penis, but, like, I don't need it. Like, I want you to—I ha- need that, but I don't need it. I don't I don't know why we have to have that. Like, it just—it's, like, messy. It's inconvenient. Like, why do we—I'm going to move on. Let's move on. Joe Bradley goes on a date with this chick named Sally. She works for Republic. I thought we already established that he, as a boss—or whatever the hell he does— is not supposed to be hooking up with his employees or Leva's employees. The fellow employees at Republic Garden and Lounge, why he's dating this girl named Sally, I'm not sure. But the man is down bad. He's making chicken parmesan because it's, in his words, a little how you doing, which, like, I kind of, you know, you live in New York long enough, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I can see how it maybe wouldn't outside of his country, outside of the tri-state area, but I get it. I get it. He's like a true love rat. He's like, I just have people talking to me all the time about how lucky I am to be single. But I'm 28. I'm ready to settle down. Like as I'm about to be 38, I just feel like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Like, oh, he's young, and he's not. He's not young is the thing. He's put knocking on 30, and I'm looking at him as an old and being like, oh, you're so young. So I don't know how I feel about that. But I do feel like Joe is a particularly starry-eyed example. Like, he's just so... I don't know. Like, these types of dudes, are they romantic? Or do they just tell us they're romantic? They're like, I just can't get a girl. They're like the like a different version of a nice guy where you... You know, like, the, the thing that we don't say about the nice guy is that... Well, yes, we do. <laughs> it's literally in the saying: "It's nice guys finish last." <laughs> Duh, bitch. So, what I was going to say is that people usually don't say that. Like, we don't expect these nice guys to do well, but I think we look at somebody like a Joe Bradley, and you're like, "Oh, I guess he's hot," so you expect him to be like socialized and always able to get a girl, and it's like, he's like, "No, I get it." Like. I don't understand either because I'm hot. And so I don't understand why love doesn't work out for me. It's crazy to me, too, guys. Like, he's that type of nice guy. And so, so, you know, it it makes me he's just very, um, what's the word? Naive. He's just very naive. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Anyway, so remember how last week Grace left the apartment that she was living in with Liam because he was going through her phone Waking her up in the middle of the night and being like, why are you talking to this guy, that guy, whatever. So she goes back to the apartment. This is like the day after. And she's already doing the justification stuff. Like, we've all done it before. It's like, you know, we just needed to take a breather for a night, but I'm back. You know, you're so busy. I'm so busy at work. Like, we're stressed. Like, just making these excuses that that's, you're talking around it. But this has nothing to do with why you left Is because you're stressed out about Republic. I don't think you've been stressed out about that job. Not one moment in your life. In a confessional, she says the truth, which is that this relationship is what is not wavy baby, okay? She's feeling like she's being crushed. And then I feel like I heard Liam for the first time. Liam, to me, if you just look at him, is giving a lot like Corey Kiefer does. God, I hope I don't have to talk about him anymore. I really don't think I do. Amen. Um... Which is, he's got Love Island face where I was expecting when that man opened his mouth for him to sound like David Beckham. And yet he sounded like, like Foghorn Leghorn's great nephew. Like, it was just very odd. Like, he looks so British, but he had a very Southern accent. And that's when I knew, like, "Mm, something about this guy's not right. And I don't even know if it's fully his fault, like. I don't know, like even he could have even been Irish, but Southern, I don't, it was weird. So then she's like telling him, you know, I kind of feel like my past is really affecting you. And he's like, no, 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 your past is actually not a problem. I'm like, okay, well, why are you going through her phone at three o'clock in the morning then and waking her up about it? He says that what the real problem is, is that I need a girlfriend, like a real girlfriend. I've asked you to go to the gym with me a bunch of times. I got you a buddy pass, but you never gone. And you should go to the beach with me. Instead of going to the beach with Maddie, you need to go to the beach with me. She's like, what? (laughs) Whatever, dude. In a confessional, Grace Lily's like, I'm feeling very caged bird right now. I need to be free. I need to fly. And hopefully she does, because this man is like not even worth it. Like, what? That was enough. That was enough of Liam. And Liam looks like he's also really trying to hide the fact that Maybe his hairline is not where it used to be. And just give it up. Give it up. Here's the thing. Tell these straight men everywhere. Y'all think that we... I'm going to defend you guys for one second. The bald ones. Any chick who says, I'm not attracted to bald men. Like, fuck her. Okay? Like, bald men are really hot. Okay? They, They really can be. Just embrace it. If you think that it's going to affect your manhood don't like it's actually way hotter when you just acknowledge the fact that your hair's gone and you've decided to let it go like that's the hottest thing because like we've always seen that man there's like one guy in your life who you've seen who's got like 14 inches of bang that starts behind from behind his ear all the way to make a bang and I know you don't want to have that bang I don't want you to have the bang, so let the bang go. We all see it, and we surround you in love and support. Just let it go, babe. Anyway, TJ goes over to Mia's house to find out that she and Troy are official, and how we know they're official is that that man apparently blew her back out on the bar cart because the bar cart is just glass, just pieces of the floor. She said, listen, we had a good time, and I thought, you know what? Salute a bad bitch when you see one, right? So TJ tells Mia that Sally's a lying-ass bitch. And I need TJ to maybe, like, you don't have to call women bitches this much. Leave that to me, okay? But anyway, this bitch Sally keeps getting caught in lies, apparently, and how the day that she had her date with Joe, she told Joe, oh, I'm working all day before I come over for this date. But in fact, she actually got off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and had a Pre prior date with his own roommate now named Gaston. Gaston is now dating Taylor Ann from Southern Charm, who used to date Shep, who's in a she's in a state. Can we just like time out for a second and talk about Southern Charm? Just real quick, because all I really want to talk about is Shep and also Olivia. We're going to say just a second for Olivia, but and also Craig. OK, like five minutes, right? Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... Um, let's start with Taylor Taylor outing the fact that Olivia had at 20 years old slept with Thomas Ravenel in order to prove herself or like to get out of this situation of like she's. She does not want to hold herself any more accountable for having hooked up with Austin than she already has. Like, that is very clear. She is acting like I've done all I can to Olivia and Olivia is not accepting it. But it's like, no, you've done all you feel like you want to do. And that's why Olivia is being like, fuck you forever, bitch. Because she knows you don't actually care. That's the issue, girl. That's the issue. She doesn't seem to get that. So anyway, she outs this stuff about hooking up with... So we find out that in a previous reunion, I guess last season, somebody had mentioned, oh, I heard that Thomas and Olivia had hooked up and she's sitting there like, what? No, that's so crazy. But apparently, she tells us that she had told Taylor in confidence, apparently this is the only person on the planet she told. And Taylor, and I hope you guys noticed this, mumbled under her breath. Oh, I was. like, As if, like, okay, even if you weren't the only person that she told, what does that prove? And what does that prove to you? Because that's all you're doing. But anyway, in the uncensored Peacock extended version of this reunion, which I highly recommend that you watch, This comes out at the very end of the reunion episode. And after that, they cut to break. And Olivia walks off, walks past Taylor and goes, you're a fucking cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I don't know. Olivia's very, I don't, something about her. Something about her. Something about her actually needs to make a sandwich in Olivia's honor for all of the work that she's done. I would love to see it. So also, Taylor just like yeah, like I said, Taylor doesn't get it, and that's very like sad and something that she's gonna have to work out or not. Taylor also seems like somebody, somebody who's like, life is gonna work out for her and some. She'll find somebody to marry her, you know. Like it's, it, she'll be fine, you know. So it's like why extend yourself even a little bit harder than you need to? Because she knows that life is gonna be fine for her. You know, even though she went through this incredibly dark period with Shep, which leads me to the next part. I don't know how long, because I only watched the Peacock version, how long this went on on the actual episode. But the scene where Shep is talking about how first, before they start the reunion, we see him telling Andy that he like kind of wants to issue a mea culpa to everybody and asks if he can have the floor at some point. So when he does... He basically says that, like, he's trying to change his ways with regard to drinking. And then somehow we get to the point where some very amalous dark thing happened at BravoCon with Shep. Shep says that he basically was blacked out the whole time. He really doesn't have any memory of anything. And... So he has no explanation, but he came out of that situation, out of Las Vegas, like freaked out, goes back to Charleston, tries to rally up the troops like a lot of his real life, not on the show friends, in addition to Austin and Craig to talk to them about what was going on and like try to rally up some support or something. It sounds like a reverse intervention almost where he was, like, having a come-to-Jesus moment with them, like, having them come over to, I don't know. He didn't really get into the details, but that's kind of what it sounded like. But anyway, Craig and Austin did not show up. And Craig says, I can't be on this ride with you anymore because you were, like, foot on the pedal towards a cliff, and I don't want to be in the passenger seat with you anymore. Like, basically, you're a liability. And... You've done this shit over and over and over again. I can't trust it. I don't. I don't want to continue this. Like I have to cut bait from you, dude. Like this is unhealthy and very interesting. Seeing this version of Shep, how he um, seemed very like one very freaked out about what may have happened. I personally believe that. Okay, maybe he doesn't necessarily remember but I think he's probably been told some stuff that really scares him. I imagine it would be very scary to be on a essentially work trip for three days and be like, I don't know what happened. There are many reports of him uh, being a total asshole to one of the dealers at a casino, telling the dealer, because I guess you have to like stack, they tell you to stack the chips if you want to bet, you know, multiple sums of money. Stack your chips. So the dealer was telling Shep over and over again how he's he's like wasted and being obnoxious at this table. Bro, stack your chips like, if you want to go in. And I guess Shep was telling him to stack his chips for him. Being very rude, he gets escorted out of the entire casino for his behavior. Um, there are, I mean, we saw, they didn't say anything, but it, you know how they went into this he and Brynn from Roni being like, oh, we're kind of interested in, like, meeting each other and, like, you know how Bravo counts now a meet-cute for all these Bravo celebrities, right? So everybody's like, oh, what's going on with Brynn and Shep? And then I don't know what happened, but the next day they're like, Brynn, how did you like Shep? And she was the one who expressed her interest first. And she was like, mm-mm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, love and joy. So, like, really what happened, it just, if you watch if you want to watch it, I would very highly suggest it. It's not even just that Shep is freaked out and like, I got to change my life. It's that everybody else when he's talking about this is like, they know what happened. And they're also like, dude, you really need to get your shit together. Like a very, very real thing. He also said at one point, like the music stopped for him and like Craig has his pillows, which is rude. But they also have their podcast. He doesn't have anything. And basically, his behavior is not cute. His body's telling him it's not cute. His mind's telling him it's not cute. I have a feeling some really, really fucked up shit happened because even Andy was like, You really might need to step away from the show. <laughs> and and, and uh, Shep's like, Oh, like you could tell he was like, Oh, am I like being fired? I, no, because he was like, No, I think I'll be fine. Like, I think I can handle it being on the show and, like, whatever. I can't say he was talking about sobriety, because when they asked him had he made any steps towards that, he was like, well, I'm not drinking liquor anymore. I'm not taking shots. I'm just drinking beer. And at that point, any goodwill that he may have drummed up by his being contrite in that moment was lost with Craig. He's like, oh, <laughs> dude, like, come on. He Craig even also told him, Let's be real, man, like I've had to shift down the things that I consume. I stopped with liquor. I stopped with the Adderall. I stopped, you know, I've changed my ways. I've had to kind of navigate sobriety myself. But it also kind of seemed like, Shep, what you're doing is like, like, I don't know. It just seemed like he very much is like, not only are you a liability, like I can't and I don't want to. And it's very unattractive. And this is, like, it's sad for a lot of reasons because, Shep, one, it's very sad when to see somebody who's, like, realizing, oh, this is fucked up. I'm, like, really out of control. And I'm scared. Like, I'm genuinely scared. He did seem scared. Two, I don't know what two was. <laughs> it's also sad when people are, like... People are looking around like he's got a whole cast of people looking back at him that are like sick of it. It wasn't just Craig. It was all of them that were like, you. Like when he said he just started drinking beer, Madison was like, I thought he was going to say he was going to rehab. Like what? (laughs) Like all of them. Vanita, you really need to stop all of this, man. Like it's not good. Not good. And I've really been feeling like, Shep has been very high on my radar of, I thought Bravo celebrities that would have unfortunately very dark endings. And so I feel for him. I do. And I really hope he gets his shit together because that's it's not good. It does not sound good. Oh, also just real quick before we get to back to Southern hospitality, tether the center, like tie it in by talking about leva because well, I'm not just going to blame leva. It's definitely Whitney's fault. Taylor sent some nude pictures to Whitney. Whitney then sent, with his old ass fingers, these pictures to basically the whole cast, all the dudes anyway. And so we find out that Leva also saw an entire text thread between Taylor and Whitney, in which Taylor's trying to act like she saw Shep and Whitney out, hanging out with chicks, and, you know, was in a state, and was like, oh... Well, I'll get shut back by sending these, what she said, were like, you couldn't see anything. Like, they were nudes, but you couldn't see anything super explicit, like a PG-13 nude. And then Love is like, girl, I saw the whole text thread. It wasn't just you being like, oh, come and get it, or whatever she said. Come one, come all. Is this what you want? And a PG-13 nude. It was like a whole text thread, and which she was like, oh, come fuck me, and blah Whatever. I didn't really feel like that was necessary because you shouldn't really know that Leva. Like, and I don't know why Whitney would tell any of you guys that. And then when they asked Leva, why have you seen this whole text thread? She was like, Oh, well, Whitney said he was kind of like embarrassed for Taylor. And he sent it to the guys because they tried to make it seem like Whitney was uncomfortable and he was like, oh, what do I do with this? But Craig is the one who told the truth, thank God, and was like, oh, that's not the case at all. He was bragging about it, drunk and showing it to a bunch of people. Like Taylor made a bad decision in sending these pictures. It was messy. But you showing multiple people, co workers, her male coworkers, is sick. It's actually really gross, and I don't understand why anybody would take up for Whitney doing that. It's weird, and Leva, for you to even be like, oh, well, he felt embarrassed for her. Why did he show you the picture That Why would he show you the t- entire text right if he was so embarrassed about her behavior? Does that make sense to you, Leva? Come on. Okay, back to Southern hospitality. So, we find out that, okay... Sally goes on this date with Joe, or with TJ's roommate, Gaston, prior to her date with Joe. And then not only that, Gaston helped her pick out the outfit for said date with Joe. And then not only that, after the date, the following day, she and Gaston go out to lunch where she tells Gaston, I have no interest in dating Joe. I don't want to. Now, Mia hears this because last season, Joe played the fuck out of her because he had this whole fake crush on Maddie, made out with Mia at some local baseball game on the Jumbotron. And then was like, oh, making out with you meant nothing. So now she's like, OK, well, that's actually very funny. Thank you for that information, TJ. Karma. Play Karma or whatever. The Taylor Swift song. So TJ's now pissed off for Joe on behalf of his very, very best friend, Joe. You're not going to be playing my roommate and my best friend at the same time. But he doesn't really seem to care about Gaston. He's like, this is my best friend, Joe Bradley. And nobody treats Joe Bradley like this. I'm going to do something about it. So, <laughs> but after the before we get into all this, Maddie goes to meet up with James Kennedy. I don't know, like, there really wasn't much to say about this. They kind of hyped this cameo up, but James seemed... It's always different to see our Bravo Lebs on different shows. Like when the Vanderpump kids would come over to the summer house, like it was always just very weird to see them on the East Coast and how they interact with people. This was more of the same. I don't know. Like they don't really have him say anything other than like, what's your career like? Are you ambitious? Giving her just standard advice of... You gotta put 100% into everything. If you want to work at the club and run that, and you also want to DJ, you could do that, too. Just, you know, if that's how the world works, you could do it. Like, it really was nothing, you know. It, he wasn't really sparkling in the way that he does on Vanderpump. I will say that. I will say that. She was excited to do this uh, little DJ gig. But another thing about this is they made it such a big storyline, but you, there's no, like... Like, you get blue balls here. Like, there's no finish to it because you never get to hear the music that they're playing. So it's just like I'm watching them to whatever, uh, you know, free music that we got in the in the library. And it's like, okay, there's no really end game for me here. I just got to watch Mikkel show up in a white satin blazer and a checkered turtleneck and sunglasses to some bar outside of Charleston. (laughs) As though he's, like, a 2008-era Kanye West. Like, that's all I got to look at. Then can we move on? Can we move on? I don't know. So let's go back to Republic. TJ is, like, ready. Everybody's on the clock. Sally's working outside. TJ's the bartender. Joey Bottles is working the door. So he takes Sally outside and was like, so, uh, just wondering, what was your date with Joe like? Oh, it was good? Okay. Anyway, that's weird because my roommate Gaston told me that you made out with him before your date with Joe and he also helped you pick out the outfit and that he picked you up at like eight o'clock the next day and you hooked up. So kind of feels like Joe's getting gaslit and I don't like that. And I don't want to see my best friend get hurt. Now this whole time, Sally's just like, no, I, that, that didn't happen. I No. <laughs> Not, not very convincing right so joe bradley sees tj outside since he should be at the bar and is like why are you out here why are you talking to sally dj's like nothing there's nothing wrong uh, clearly there's something wrong I- i'm fine bye i'm just like going back in so joe follows him back inside what were you talking to her for so immediately he's like well guess on date making out not interested whatever." All Joe hears is that they made out. She made out with him before our date. He doesn't hear anything about how he picked out the outfit, how she apparently said that she has zero interest in dating him. He was all he heard was she made out with somebody before their date and it was like he went deaf. Like he just was like, I I can't he like tunnel vision. <laughs> he's like did not hear what TJ was saying after that. So he goes outside, like makes a beeline for Sally. I'm going to call Gaston right now. I'm going to call him right now. I actually think, like, you made out with him before our date? That's a fucking serial killer move. That's just weird. It actually makes me sick. (laughs) Joe, you've been on one date with this woman you're not even supposed to be on a date with because you're her superior, I think. You're definitely co-workers, and I'm pretty sure this is not what you're supposed to do. You've been on one date with her, and you're like, I'm about to call this man right now, you serial killer. And my stomach is (laughs) topsy-turvy. Like, Joe, calm down. Why don't you focus on the fact that apparently she said she did not want to date you at all? (laughs) And maybe, like, keep it cute and just, like, da- blank her. Blank her would be the best thing. And be like, well, TJ told me what you did, so bye. So she's, again, has, like, no excuse. I, then, I, call, call Gaston then. I didn't do it. I was with five other people. Joe. Joe. I really care about you. So then he, like, kind of snaps out of it and is like, I'm not going to call him right now. I'm at work. So he's going all the way to the back. She's trying to follow after him. And he's like, you need to stay outside, okay? We're at work. And then he just goes into the storage room to call Gaston immediately. Gaston does not answer the phone. You know, this call is going straight to voicemail. The Joe says in a confessional, I feel like a fucking idiot, okay? My friends always tell me that I trust people too soon. And I was trying to prove them wrong with Sally. But then you hear the truth. And it all comes crashing down. (laughs) I want to know what Joe's sign is. Like, girl, take a breath. Take a sip of water. You want to sit down and take a sip of water, babe? In and out. In through the nose, out through the mouth, okay? So, basically, that's basically it. He then tells Brad... Because Brad notices something wrong and Brad, you know, just a straight guy who goes up to you and like just rubs your your muscles, your shoulders real hard. Like, what's going on, Brad? You seem stressed out. And Br- Joe Bradley's like, I can't be right here right now. I got to go. And then he just like walks out of Republic and onto the streets of downtown Charleston. <laughs> I love this show. Uh oh,
1: God. Oh, God. God. God, are you OK? Yeah, fine. We're definitely not. Olympians, we're more like the bad news bears. I have suspicions about John. Come on! He had told Janelle that he has asthma. Come on! So today I thought, I'm gonna ask him a question. Get him! there! I need my inhaler! John, are you sure you don't have an inhaler? No, Sorry. Right. Everybody knows if you have asthma, you're gonna need an inhaler.
0: Y'all, The Traders is back. Peacock released the first three episodes on Thursday night. And I guess they're going to be doing one episode per Thursday until the end of the season. I loved it. And I like, y'all know, this isn't really my thing. The whole reality t- competition thing. I don't really like to see a challenge. I don't like to see like a physical situation happening. And yet here I am enjoying every moment of it. If you guys don't know what the concept is, it is a UK reality competition show that season one, the season one US Peacock edition had a mix of half reality stars and half of us normal folk. Right. And so this time they're doing all reality stars from across the board, Survivor, Big Brother, Love Island, Housewives, The Challenge. Dancing with the Stars, Bachelor Nation, like, they're all there. And I don't know everybody, but I am having a great time. And I think the concept of an all-reality show season is going to have to be the wave moving forward because towards the end of season one, it was just getting a little bit shaky ethically because there are people who were really... Looking forward to this money, and then there are the reality stars who were like gonna go off and be fine and get another check on another show like this, but then there was like one person who really like wanted to help put money towards building their family. they were so nice and like it was just so like uh now sari from Survivor or Big Brother or I'm not really sure where she's from, both I think it might be both um. She's, like, taking all your check from somebody who has to go back to their (laughs) 9-to-5. It was just, it was dubious, ethically dubious, I will say. So to see, like, now that the playing field's even, because I want to see people like a Johnny Bananas or a Larsa Pippen go toe-to-toe with each other. Because I know that they're always going to be fine. Or... Whatever happens to Johnny Bananas when he's not on television, you know what I mean? So let's get into the first three episodes. Just going to be a quick recap. Obviously, there are going to be a bunch of spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, then don't listen. So uh, if you do, or if you watched it, join me on the journey, shall we? Let's start with episode one. Somehow, somehow, Marcus Jordan, the least famous person in the whole cast, He's not even a reality star. He's a reality star's boyfriend. Is the first person to speak on the entire show. who says that people think that he's a big, friendly giant. He's actually quite cutthroat. And it's like, Marcus, I hate to tell you, babe, I don't really think people have an opinion of you at all. I don't. And I've actually taken notes on you. Still. I got nothing. <laughs> There's a woman named from Survivor named Sandra... She's got braces and, like, a Harry Potter thing on her forehead. I I think it—I don't know. Anyway, she says she wants to destroy people. I don't know her, but I am looking forward to that. People seem terrified of her. And for an adult with, like, just, like, those regular 90s braces, that's just confusing to me. She seems not as intimidating as people are giving her. Well, I'll say that. The two men in reality TV who I would most like to Eiffel Tower me are there. So shout out to CT from The Challenge and Max from Dancing with the Stars. Hi, babes. Hello. Hi. Trishel and Tamar are both there in all black and berets. And Phaedra keeps wearing this, like, in the first episode, this cream floor-length fur stole on her shoulder. Obviously, Phaedra will come with an outfit, and it'll be to the theme She always dresses to theme, right? So this show, she's giving a clue. Like, Mrs. Parks murdered you in the gallery with a candlestick with the fur stole over her shoulder, and you wouldn't be any the wiser. Like, she knows what she's giving. It's also, like, a little mix of English English countryside. Like, it's—she's very—she's mixing in with the decor, I will say that. Our hero— Alan Cumming arrives, ascends really, in all red and tartan. I love it here. I love it here. They're competing for up to $250,000. So the concept is they're going to be competing in these physical challenges that are all going to go to a prize pot. Now, there are three traders that are picked by Alan Cumming. And also, Alan Cumming picks two traders. And then the two traders get to pick another one from the cast to join them in the treachery so they're trying to fuck everything up for all the faithful people the faithful people are trying to get the traitors out and whoever gets to the end gets up to what they made in the challenges so it could be 250k could be y'all missed two thousand dollars out in the field one day then you know that's going to be 248k so good good stuff here once they get inside Phaedra Phaedra knows how to be a star, okay? She knows how to work the camera on both ends, like both in the immediate her like dealing with the people on the cast, but also in her confessionals, which is why she's a star of the show already. Like, the the bitch knows what she's doing, and that's, you know, we can't, we got to be honest about that. She goes inside. In the castle, they have a wall of all the competitors' portraits up there so you can see who's there who gets killed every night etc she's like "Hmm, i don't know there's a bunch of people here from shows like survivor and you know they've had to like eat rattlesnakes and like hike naked i've never done any of that i glamp and i barely do that i glamp at the ritz carlson and then she looks over at ct and looks at the picture of johnny bananas and says is he from the challenge because he's got like like repo man vibes and that really took c t out c t is so mm. <laughs> he just speaks to a part of me that I don't really need to get into. It's like when you know what that noise is, it's like you know it's it's a it's an instinctual thing. It's caveman like. Like, I would like him to put me over my shoulder and just, like, have his way with me. We don't have to get into it, but I'm going to probably later. So now I apologize in advance. But anyway, CT is very much in this challenge mindset, and that's kind of another fascinating part of this show, is that because everybody is coming in from different experiences in reality TV, they approach this very differently. Like, CT and Johnny Bananas are very much, like, gameplay guys, but you have to kind of be an all-encompassing reality TV star. You have to do your gameplay. You have to do the physical challenges. You have to do, like, a mental aspect. You also have to, like, try to figure out who's who. So there's a social aspect to it. And then, like, there's just, like, a whole lot of elements going on. But CT is just approaching this, like... I'm going to get out there, I'm going to run, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to be sexy, and I'm going to be the caveman that Kara fantasizes about for all, like, 20 years since I've been on TV. (laughs) And I'm going to keep doing it. And, you know, like, he doesn't care about the social aspect of it at all, and it doesn't even seem to register to him, and I, I like that. You know, the housewives are very much, like, trying to figure out everybody. MJ is very MJ from Shaza sunset is there. She's being a baddie. She's like also figuring people out because listen, you got uh 30 years of the college of Reza that I think you know how to read people. Something tells me MJ has a really good uh aptitude to, to smell out some bullshit. Yeah. Unless we not we don't we not have to bring up Mike, but remember we are. Remember when Mike was like I'm going to be a Baby shoe salesman, and he had this big uh, order that he had gotten from Kitson. I want to say, and this was like he really thought he was going to be like the Manolo Blahnik of baby shoes. And then Kitson went out of business like three weeks later. Oh, <laughs> uh, God bless! So we need to go back to Shaw's Sunset, not with Mike. He can choke anyway. So. This is where, like, Larsa establishes to everybody what I had been wondering about what was going to happen with her dynamic with Marcus on the show, which is, yeah, I'm here with my man. I'm happy he's here. We love each other. Mm -hmm. Kisses to everybody. We're not a team, though, Okay, I'm more than happy to murder him if if I got to. So don't worry about that. So in order to determine who is a traitor and who is a faithful, everybody sits down at this round table and they're blindfolded. And then Alan Cumming does this kind of duck, duck, goose sort of thing where he just like slowly walks around the circle a bunch of times and then he just taps somebody in the shoulder. So if you get goose, then you get a traitor. So the first one who gets tapped to be a traitor is Dan from Big Brother. And the next one is Phaedra Parks. And then they have to recruit somebody to be their third so once the ceremony is over, who who is the one who says that they've got some sort of special skill better than everybody else and that that's how they're able to determine things. But Larsa Pippin, who says looks around the round table and says that she's got some sort of extra special hearing and that she could hear the fabric rustling next to her, meaning she thinks the person to the left of her. Or Excuse me, her left ear heard some fabric rustling. and She does her classic Larsa thing. So the girl who's sitting next to her is Parvati. And so obviously she's like, you know, when Larsa's like, you know, I, I can hear really well and I heard some rustling to my left. Obviously Parvati, who's sitting to her left, is like, bitch, excuse you, that didn't happen. Don't put a battery or, you know, like a target on my back, right? But then Larson is like, well, I didn't say it was her. I just said I could her it here to my left. Like, she's always moving the call <laughs> in the dumbest of ways. And she always acts like she doesn't understand why people interpreted exactly what she said correctly. <laughs> Larsa Pippen. Larsa Pippen, everybody. So then Parvati tells her, you're barking up the wrong tree, girl. So then she tries to rally up the troops with, with uh, Tamra. Larissa and Tamara and some girl from love island named Sue, who says in a confessional you know people don't think i'm really that smart because i'm pretty and i love myself but you know i'm really like into conspiracy theories and i believe in aliens and i love cartoons and i could twist my arm all the way around my back i'm very quirky but i'm very relatable people love that about me <laughs> ma'am did you know what the question was <laughs> is she always like this I don't watch Love Island, guys, but I've I've seen her name. And I think I said before, and I mean, no shade to her culture. I genuinely thought she might be a character from Star Wars. and, And this was just like, oh, yeah, like Ekansu, like Jar Jar Pigs, like everybody loves that. And then I was like, oh, she's from Love Island. This is a real person. Okay, okay, all respect. I just genuinely didn't know. So then the cast goes on to do these competitions that, like I said, contribute money to the overall pot. I don't really care about the physical challenges, but they really put these people through it. And in the first two episodes, you'll notice that the cast doesn't know how to dress for these physical challenges. And they finally pull out the athleisure in episode three. But at one point, they're just like ripping and running, like really physical. There's a guy from Bling Empire who's running in a Scottish fields in episode two in the most ripped up jeans, Skinny jeans that you could ever imagine. And I know he, he seems like a fit man. I know he was like, like think Justin Bieber, like the jeans that Justin Bieber was wearing in his like first album era. That's what he was wearing to go run around in a field. Like they make them do hard shit. The first challenge, they have to go out on a lake in rowboats, and then they have to jump into the lake to get to swim over to these little floating things that have like shields in them. And then you have to like go to the field on the other side of the lake and they have to go through like hundreds of little messages in a bottle to find the map that you then have to go back into the lake and put these puzzle pieces together in the shape that the map says. And let me tell you, by puzzle pieces, I mean, these are, like, five-by-four-piece pieces of, like, platform. So you can't even see them from the water. People have to tell you from the land how to put them together. I don't know how, like, they must have put these people through some pretty physical challenges to make sure that, like, uh, old dude from House of Commons over there in the UK doesn't have a heart attack in the middle of the lake, like... They're really going through it. They're able to complete that challenge with like literally two seconds left and they get 30K for that prize pot. That was like an 80, that would have been an 80K worth of effort for me. I wouldn't be able to do this show. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I'm like surprised that Phaedra can't. And Phaedra seems like pretty fit. But anyway, so Dan and Phaedra finally meet up because they don't know. Obviously, they get tapped in ducked Duck, up Goose, so they don't know immediately who the other traitor is. So then they have this little room where they meet up with Alan Cumming and they get to wear these like Harry Potter hoods and they finally meet each other. And so then they come together to figure out who they're going to pick to be their third. But they're coming from two different shows, two different mindsets. Dan is a big brother guy. He's all strategy, all game playing, all looking at like, well, this person seems strong, this person's whatever. Phaedra's trying to go for somebody who's unexpected so that they can fly under the radar. So then Phaedra's like, well, what do you think about Larsa? And they show, as they're talking about the different people that they're going to consider, B-roll footage of them, like, sleeping in bed or, like, looking wistfully out a window. Now, why did they have Larsa reading a book? We know that's not possible, okay? She's reading a book in some silk pajamas, in a chair next to a wooden heart-shaped picture frame with Marcus in it (laughs) that she picks up and pulls close to her chest like, "Mm, my betrothed. (laughs) This is a great show, a great show. So moving on to episode two, I'm very disappointed to find out that Phaedra and Dan decided to pick Parvati because I was hoping that they were going to split up Marcus and Larsa and really put them in a tailspin. That would have been an excellent show in my mind. That's what I've been fantasizing about. Also, my other question is Parvati always doing Blair Waldorf cosplay with the headbands. Cause I don't, I don't know if that's the look for her. We might need to workshop. Dan then is like talking to Phaedra He's still trying to find these cutthroat types. But she was like, you know, from the world of housewives, this is not her world. And she, he's like, okay, because she's not a big brother person, a survivor person, Dan has a lot of confidence for somebody who acts the way he does because he's like, well, I can manipulate Phaedra into doing my bidding because she doesn't know, she doesn't understand the kind of world that I'm coming from. So before they, before Parvati knows that she's a traitor, Phaedra and Dan do their first murder. So people get murdered every morning or every night. So they find out, the other cast members find out who got murdered by the traitors when they go to breakfast. So everybody's like in this big, gorgeous castle breakfast room getting their croissants and their fresh fruits or whatever. And people are streaming in and you're like, Oh yeah, you're here. Oh no, they're not here. So that's how you find out who was murdered. So Trish comes down to breakfast and tells everybody that she had issues with peppermint from RuPaul's drag race the night before and how she felt like peppermint really overreacted to being jokingly called out. So we see this flashback where Peppermint makes a comment of like, "Oh, I hope I get to stay cuz I bought all these fabulous outfits and I want to wear them." Trishell says, "Oh yeah, me too." Or one of them says, "It doesn't matter who said it in which uh which direction, which order." Trishell says to Peppermint, "Oh, well if you kill if I get killed tonight, then I know Peppermint that it'll probably be you who did it, who's the traitor." And Peppermint's reaction was just like, uh, "Like, what?" Like, why would you think I was a traitor? Nothing like a normal reaction that probably anybody would have had in that moment. And yet Trishel down to the breakfast table tells everybody that she felt like the way the peppermint reacted was really over the top and like, sus, right? So now everybody's like, hmm, okay, maybe peppermint's a traitor. So we find out the first person who got murdered was none other than Johnny Bananas, which was like, thank fuck, because he was irking me all through episode one. I don't know what this man, well, I do know what this man has been up to. I know he's been on the challenge for the past 37 years. I haven't been watching it, but I know that's what he's doing over there at MTV. And so I don't know if he like, I get the sense that he feels like he's the cock of the walk over at the challenge because he's like 75 and is still like killing it. But then he comes here with this double-breasted suit and his hair. And he's just like, ugh. Like, I don't know. He just irked me from, from moment one. I'm like, we got to get rid of this guy. He's a little too cocky. And I don't like it. So I'm like, thank God he got murdered. <laughs> thank fuck. Free of him. Side question. What happened with that date that he went on with Lindsay Hubhouse Hubbard? on the date of what would have been her wedding. Y'all remember? She was like, just so happened to be walking the West village with Johnny bananas on her wedding day. <laughs> what happened to that? We have not seen them go on a date. Haven't heard hide nor hair of them since then. Lizzie, you could have done better than that. That was one time where I was like, Lindsay, this is not great. This is like post. I understand you're trying to do like a post breakup. I'm fine. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good, but Walking the streets of the West Village with Johnny Bananas was. It was a pivot that I didn't enjoy. I will say that. So hopefully that's over. So they play a flashback of Johnny getting the letter saying that he was murdered. And he does this whole thing about how he thinks that the whole house made a mistake by killing him first because, uh, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, but like I'm basically the star of the show. And. You know, y'all definitely made a mistake, and this house is like a jar of jalapenos. What you do today is going to burn your ass tomorrow. Okay, Johnny, bye, bye. Peppermint does make the mistake of saying that it was probably a good idea that bananas left. And then people start, again, whispering about whether or not she's a traitor, if that's like traitor speak, what's going on. So there's a boxer named Deontay. Miss Mamas keeps some jewelry on her, okay? Deontay had a three-wedding set ring with the old-school First Lady of the Church engagement ring. And if y'all don't know what the First Lady of the Church is, that's she's married to the pastor, and they always keep a chunky ring on them, okay? Sometimes it's a cluster diamond. We don't have to get into it. But sometimes, usually, it's like a big three-carat minimum ring center ring and it's got the biggest blingest chunky diamonds all on the the actual ring <laughs> what do you what do you call it right the um the the band the band's just diamond diamond like baguettes thick like can't move your finger can't bend it it's like up to the up to the first knuckle that much, okay so deontay's got that on the on the ring finger um had what looked like a ruby or maybe garnet version of the heart of the ocean necklace it actually wasn't heart shaped it was more like cameo shaped for the titanic and that was just deontay's breakfast jewelry like he's a baddie he's a baddie so deontay asked what happened at breakfast what happened between you and trichelle peppermint and peppermint's like i don't know what did happen between me and trichelle so then Trishel explains this, and Peppermint stands up like, girl, Trishel, if I'm going to murder you, I'm going to murder you with these looks, okay? Not because I'm a traitor. So then there's another group of people, including Tamara, who start pointing fingers at this guy named John, who I guess was like the messy bitch over at the House of Commons in England because he breathed wrong. Tamara's excuses that he breathed wrong. Even though he told them that he had asthma... They think that maybe he got excited and told on himself. So during the competition (laughs) where they're having to run, they're like running up and down these fields. Tamra decides to test John and whether or not he has asthma by running up beside him and being like, John, John, I really need an inhaler. I have asthma. Do you have yours on you? And he's like, no. (laughs) She's like, you don't? Oh. (laughs) Tamra's so wild. (laughs) Tamara's literally running her own side missions, and like people don't really care. She's got her own show going on, and it's very funny. (laughs) So then everybody heads back to the roundtable after this challenge to vote on who's going to be the first one that is going to be banished by the actual cast members. So you get get to chop a couple ways. You can get murdered by the traitors, or everybody goes to that round table and accuses you of being a traitor and they vote as to whether or not you need to be kicked out of the house. So when do they get to that round of the table? Peppermint and Trichelle go back and forth on why Peppermint got accused by Trichelle, and then it turns into Trichelle telling Peppermint don't put your hand in my face. It's really disrespectful. Like, what Peppermint was doing was not, like, it wasn't even a talk to the hand. It was, like, half a talk to the hand. And and all of a sudden, Trishel's feeling disrespected and, Don't, don't put your hand in my face. Blah, blah, blah. Then they go around. After everybody's like, girl, we're not doing this. They try to pinpoint John from the House of Commons as to whether or not he currently has asthma or he said earlier He had asthma as a child that I guess did not carry over into his adulthood. So Tamar keeps accusing him of talking like a politician, answering like a politician instead of just being honest. So they end up going around and voting Peppermint out, even though several people, Sheree, Max from Dancing with the Stars, and all of my sexual fantasies are both like, this really feels like some mob mentality shit. I'm not really believing that Peppermint is a traitor. Sheree ends up voting for her anyway. (laughs) So then she's like, listen, this came out of nowhere. She goes into the circle of trust after getting kicked out. And that's where you reveal if you're a faithful or a traitor. And Peppermint goes back into drag race mode, like end of the runway. She's posed. She's poised. Does this whole speech about how she came here? She's a trans woman, she wants to give visibility and tell people that it's okay. And also, I'm a faithful. Charay immediately is like, "Ah, You guys came up with this whole concoction, I'm not happy right now. Mind you, she voted for Peppermint and didn't need to, (laughs) did not need to at all, but did, but okay. Deontay has this truly emotional reaction. I just feel like we ganged up on somebody. He starts crying, crying. Trishel then is like, oh no, I fucked up, right? So she tries to take the heat off herself in the most white woman way. Down to a T. So first, she she knows that it's hot on her. They're hot on her neck. They're mad at her because she... Kicked out of Faithful. who's going to fuck them up later. So she goes up to a group of only guys. She finds that, like, everybody's broken off into groups. They're having their drinks. They're chatting. Whatever. So she goes up to this group. It's only guys. It's, I think, Deontay, Max, um, probably somebody from The Bachelor. I don't know. It was, like, four dudes. Trying to act like she did not spearhead this What actually happened is that she only told a couple of people her feelings about Peppermint and that they took it out of control and it got out of hand from theirs. There was nothing she could do about it. It just caught caught on like wildfire. And and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Max is like, "Mm, I'm not really buying this. And so she realizes that she has no allies in these men. So she just starts crying. (laughs) Now... There's more to this story where I guess people have been getting on to Trishel on Twitter and being like, what you did was like weird, dubious, sketchy. We're not going to say racist, but it was something about the way you were moving was a little bit funny. Right. So she decides to prove something. I'm not sure by saying, you guys, I reached out to Peppermint to apologize before the show. And so she posted a screenshot of her DMing Peppermint an hour or two before the Traders premiered on Thursday. (laughs) It's like, girl, so this did not occur to you that maybe you hurt Peppermint until an hour and a half before the show. And her thing was, well, it's, I've just been really busy because of the holidays and everybody's like, but the show aired, he filmed in September. Well, I know. But then once I got back, I was just so busy with my family and the holiday. It's like, girl, don't, you should have just not even said anything because now you're fighting and you're looking real goofy. And granted, like you would say, OK, it's the point of the show is to try to pick out the traitors. And she was just doing what she did, but just she was moving about it in a really weird way and not like a gameplay way. And also, like, you can't be like, I was genuinely sorry, but have not apologized to somebody for four months until people caught on. Or you thought that you might get some backlash and you decided to clean shit up. Like, that's why people are in your mentions crazy. And if you don't get that, then I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. So at the end of episode two, Parvati finally meets Phaedra and Dan, the other two traitors. So at the beginning of episode three, Dan explains that they chose Parvati because she's known for being ruthless and cutthroat. But just in case, she's not going to do that. They're fully prepared to throw her under the bus as a traitor to save themselves. Love it. So now, because of what happened to Peppermint, Max is like, okay, I'm going to keep my eye out on people because... It was very obvious to me that Peppermint was a faithful, and I need to see how y'all are doing. So we get to the breakfast table, everybody's streaming in, and then we find out that Marcus Jordan was murdered. So in a flashback, it appears that the decision to kill Marcus was made because during yesterday's competition, they had to go and find these scarecrows, and there were two scarecrows, and you basically... They had the names of one person each on the cast and you had to pick like which one you thought would be the answer. So the question that they had for Marcus was, who do you think is more dependable? Who do you trust more between Marcus and Larsa? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European Linen would you trust more between Marcus and Larsa? (laughs) So if, if that's what you're basing it on a duh question and a duh answer, I don't know if that was like a very smart way to determine that he was that, um, you know, much of a threat to them, but whatever. So Larsa, it's like, Oh no, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. And you know, she has to keep explaining. I'm upset because she does not, have any emotion on her face (laughs) so but now she's got the battery in her back she's like now focused on banishing a traitor so then she kind of joins up with Tamra so that they can use her housewife skills to figure out who is a traitor which I don't really know I would be using like if I had to pull pull from the pool of housewives I don't know if you two would be the combination for me but It kind of worked. I will say that. So the third competition for this episode, they have to do a competition in the graveyard. It is dark. They have to open up. You have to get a battering ram and like you have to run all over the graveyard. But there are also these light beams that they're moving all over. And if you, it's like, you know, like the floor is hot lava. If you get hit by that light beam, you're dead and you can't play anymore. So... Bergie, who's from Love Island, apparently, I had been watching in episodes one and two just being like, what's going on with this Bergie fellow? Because he's giving somebody who needs a lot of naps and a regular IV of like Metamucil and an iron pill. It just seems he just seems like, you know, like like in a past life, maybe he died of consumption or uh, what was that blood disease? hemophilia like he, he seems like he's giving he would have been a, a like a very wealthy prince with hemophilia <laughs> i don't know how to, what is going on with my mind why do you guys listen to me <laughs> but you look at Bergie and tell me if he lived in the 1700s that kid would have had hemophilia for sure like rickets can people still get rickets Anyway, I say all this to say, Bergy actually ended up saving the day because he's the one who realizes that these light beams are on a schedule. So if you just follow the pattern, you can do what you got to do to get where you got to get to get this money. So people don't want to listen to him because, again, they're like, why would we listen to this man who needs a multivitamin every four hours? But they're like, he ends up being the hero of the whole competition. So... (laughs) After that, uh, what happens after that? Oh, everybody's, like, bonding, right? Or we think they are. But then some, like, weird thing happens between and Sue and Janelle. I think Janelle might also be from Big Brother. Because during the competition, they were doing something close to each other. And and Sue thinks that Janelle checked her, like, body checked her. But Janelle says that she didn't. We don't find out more about this. But I have a feeling it's going to come up later. There's already some tension happening between Janelle and Sue. So after that, they get back to the house. People start getting their eyes on Dan because they're noticing he's very quiet. And the one who actually was the spearhead behind this was Larsa. Shockingly, she was correct. So they get to the round table and it's full drama now. First, Dan's in the hot seat, but Dan's like, no, I'm just a quiet guy. I'll work on it. This is just my nature. It's nothing suspicious. I'll try to be more social. I'll try to get to know people a little bit more. Deontay goes into this whole monologue about, I've been sitting here with my eyes on somebody, and they've been keeping a poker face this whole time, and it's you, Max. And I noticed when you saw that Marcus had been murdered, you put your hands over your mouth. But I felt your reaction was pretty fake. And then CT and the other, there are some other people keep pointing fingers. And even though Deontay was the one who started all of this against Max, he tells everybody to stop being followers and to go with their own hearts. Whose heart did they go with, Deontay? Yours. And so Max ends up getting banished. Thanks a lot. And then poor Deontay has a whole existential crisis. I think Deontay might actually be the empathy, the the empath that so many people lie and say that they are. He has this whole emotional breakdown over Max getting banished, even though you did it. I can't do this anymore. I can't. His head's all on the back of the couch crying. Like, truly going through it. And then the poetry, the absolute poetry. A24 couldn't do a, a, a scene as poetic as this. Phaedra the traitor goes up to Deontay, the most sensitive and kind person in this show, crying over his participation in getting somebody t- to leave to get kicked out. And she's just wiping his tears. Oh, you're such a sweet baby. Please, you you'll be okay. Ooh, I love that. So after that, the traders get a letter saying that they have to kill somebody, but this has to be a murder in plain sight. There's nobody's getting a letter. There's a vial somewhere that you have to find in the house and you got to give it to somebody. It's it's like a airport bottle of you know, white wine that they had to take the label off of. It's really not that deep. But for some reason, Phaedra's not a part of this. This is all um, Parvati and Dan. I have to go back real quick. During the challenge that happens in episode three, at one point, Lara says yelling for Parvati, but she called her Poverty. And I really wonder if she knows what her actual name is. I guess we'll find out (laughs) more on that later. So Parvati decides to take this whole, we got to murder somebody in plain sight thing under her wing. She's like, I'm going to be the one who does this, right? So everybody's just like kicking it. They're having drinks, they're by the bar, they're whatever. So she like is not cool at all. She's like, Going to the bar. Does anybody need a drink? I'll make a drink. If anybody wants it, I'll be, I'll play bartender. And she's acting very, like, manic and, like, just very, like, clearly something weird's going on. Now, Phaedra is by the bar when she notices that Parvati's acting a little bit strange. And then she sees, oh, she's got that thing. Because unbeknownst to Phaedra... Dan and Parvati had a conversation about maybe we should kill Sheree in plain sight. But Dan's like, there's not a chance in hell that Phaedra's going to be down with that. So they're like, oh, we'll we'll just we'll just kill her on her own. Right. Keep Phaedra out of it. But then Phaedra notices and Parvati notices that Phaedra notices. So then she like has to find somebody completely different in a split second. So she's just like running around be like hey guys does anybody need a drink and um mj you need a drink is anybody thirsty uh anybody and everybody's just like what the hell's going on (laughs) she's carrying the bottle that says chalice like poison drink or something on the label because somebody wrote it in pen and like taped it to the outside (laughs) we don't find out who she gives it to she's really trying gunning hard for mj but she's like I realize that MJ is not going to just drink out of this rusty ass cup randomly. So now she's just like, cause they're also on a timer. <laughs> she's Like I got like two minutes to kill somebody randomly and get them to drink this one sip of this Kendall Jackson white blend. The episode ends and we don't find out who takes that faded sip, but I cannot wait for Thursday to find out with that. Are we done? I think we're done. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love you. Bye.